John chapter 11 and verse number 17. Very familiar story uh, in the word of the Lord. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. But I know that even now, Lazarus is dead in the grave and been there for four days. But she said, I know that even now, whatever you ask, it's going to happen. I feel faith in this house tonight. I want somebody to know that God is still able. It doesn't matter how dead things may look. It doesn't matter how bad things may be. God is still able. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? Ask him to speak to us tonight. Father, I love you. I thank you for your spirit and your anointing. Thank you for your presence we have felt in this house tonight. I pray, oh God, that you would help me to deliver the word of the Lord. I pray, God, that you would speak through me. God, let faith arise in this house tonight. I pray, oh God, that you would change us, transform us. Let healing flow in this house tonight. I pray, oh God, that before we leave, how that we would be changed by your word, changed by your spirit. In the name of Jesus, would somebody clap your hands to the Lord, giving praise and lift your voice to him right now. Come on, does anybody believe that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think? Come on, why don't we give him praise? Why don't we lift up his name right now? You'll help me tonight. You may be seated. Lazarus is considered a friend of Jesus. When I think of somebody being a friend, I think of someone that I can depend upon. When I think of somebody being a friend, I think of somebody that if I have a need, then they are there to meet that need, if at all possible. When you have a real friend, when you call them, you expect them to answer. You do not expect them to ignore you. You do not expect them to just blow you off. When there's a real need in your life. But word came. To Jesus. 
in John 11 and 4, after hearing that, G- that John was sick, Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. They continue to linger where they are. Lazarus dies. Lazarus is buried. And verse 11, Jesus says, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. The disciples are so disconnected from what God is doing that they tell him, If he is sleeping and he's been sick, then leave him alone because rest is what he needs. And so verse 14, Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Verse 15, he said, and I am That's a good friend. Stay with me. He didn't come when he was sick. He missed the funeral. Then he tells his disciples, Brother Michael, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. Here's what he said, for your sakes, to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. By the time he gets there, everybody has given up hope that he'd ever show up. As a matter of fact, when word travels that Jesus is coming, Mary doesn't even leave the house to greet him. She stays in the house, and Martha goes to find him. Martha goes to look to see, find out, where have you been? When Jesus gets there in verse 34, he asks this question, where have you laid him? Now, it would seem like that he ought to have understood that Jesus was in the grave, or Lazarus was in the grave. But he asked them, where did you lay him? Where Did you place him? Where did you leave him? And turn around and walk away believing that there was no hope for your situation. I want you to know tonight that it didn't matter how impossible their problem was. God was not phased by the impossibility. When Lazarus died, God wasn't standing there scratching his head saying, what am I going to do now? I should have went yesterday and healed him, but now he's dead. How am I going to take care of it? But he knew. He knew what he was going to do. He knew how he was going to work it out. He knew exactly what was going to take place. While they were worried, he wasn't worried. While they were fearful, he wasn't fearful. While they were concerned, he had no concern with how it would work out. 
He knew, I'm going to walk into that town. I'm going to go to that graveyard. I'm going to go to where they left it. I'm going to go to where they laid down their faith. I'm going to go to where they laid down belief. I'm going to go where they laid down hope. And I'm going to call to life what they believe is forever gone and forever lost. I ask you tonight, where is that place that you came to the realization that you've done all you could and so you buried it? God can't do anything with it. I just don't see how. It's just impossible. So you buried it in a cave and sealed it away. Said, I just got to give up. I've got to learn how to live without my dream. I've got to learn how to live without seeing what I believe God had promised me. I'm preaching to people tonight who have been living without their dream. I'm preaching to people tonight who who have believed, who have prayed, who have fasted and nothing has happened. It seemed like the more you prayed, the worse it got. It seemed like the more you believed and the more you begin to speak faith, the worse things would get and the further you would get from seeing what you believe God had promised. But I come to tell you, you have prayed and you have fasted and you have believed and this is your hour and this is your time and this is your season that God is going to resurrect the dead promise that you just have not been able to believe he could he's asking to take you to take him to that place in your life the place in your past The place in your relationship with him. The place where you gave up hope turns your back on the promise. Martha comes out of the house into the street to meet him. She starts telling him that it's too late. If you had come earlier, things would have been different. It's just too late, Jesus. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you would have came earlier my brother would not have died Martha you got to understand who you're dealing with you want a little oneness because Martha said if you would have been here you could have done it yesterday You could have healed him last week before he died. You might could have raised him from the dead if you'd have been here the moment that he died. If you would have been here. In other words, Martha comes out of the house and declares, he's the great I was. Martha came out and declared, you're the God that could. Martha came out and said, you're the God that could have yesterday. You're the God that could have last week. I'm preaching to people who are treating God like he's a great I was because you're convinced that God could have healed you last month. You're convinced that God could have delivered you last year. You're convinced that God could have moved in your family last week. But you have problem believing that he can today. You have problem believing that he can tonight. You have problem believing that he can right now. But I I want to declare to you, he is not the great I was. 
later they declare to him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You still don't get it. Martha, I'm not the great I was, but I'm also not the great I will be. Because while we declare he's the great I am, when we talk about being oneness, we live like he's the great I was that could have yesterday, or he's the great I will be that might tomorrow. Our faith is in him doing it in the past, but we miss that chance. Are in the fact that we know he might do it next week. But we have a hard time believing that he'll do it right now. But he looked at her and said, I am. Not I was the resurrection. Not I will be the resurrection. But I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I want you to know, my friend, the I am is in this house tonight. The I am of healing. The I am of deliverance. The I I am of salvation, the I am of whatever you need, not the I was, not the I will be, but he is the great I am. He's the I am. He is able. No matter what's going on around you, he is able. But somehow, in declaring him in one verse to be the great I was, for if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Somehow, in that next verse, she says, I don't understand it. And I can't figure out what you're going to do. But here's what I just can't help but believe. Even now, whatever you ask God, God is going to do what you ask though she confesses it hasn't really sunk in she knows it but she has a hard time accepting it even as I said two verses later when she says I know he'll rise again at the resurrection in the last day I know that you're aware that God can you see, I don't have to stand here tonight and preach to you about what God can do. Because I believe everyone in this house tonight believes what God can do. Everyone in this house tonight believe God can heal. Come on, do you believe God can? Does anybody in this house tonight believe God can deliver? Anybody in this house tonight believe God can provide? Anybody in this house tonight believe that God can do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think? But you that believe God can, do you believe God will? That's the question. Not if he can, but if he will. So you're not trying to decide if God can. You're having a hard time believing that God will right now for you. 
But I tell you, he has shown up on the scene because he wants to work a miracle in your life. I tell you that he stopped by because of you. I tell you, he could have gone anywhere else, but he came on purpose. He came with a purpose, and you are that purpose. You may not feel as if you have great faith, but the faith you have is faith enough for Jesus to stop by. It's faith enough for Jesus to work in your life. It's faith enough for Jesus to perform a miracle. It's faith enough for Jesus to work on your behalf. You may not feel like you have great faith, but I'm telling you the fact that you made yourself come to the house of God has presented enough faith to God that God said, I am ready on this Wednesday night, I am ready in this service, even now. Understand when Jesus comes to town, miracles happen. It's only his hometown that he goes to and doesn't do great miracles. Why? Because they can't believe. But here's what the Bible said. He done no great work. Only he healed a few sick people. Even in the midst of doubt that kept him from doing a great work, the Bible said he still healed a few sick people. So maybe your sickness ain't all that great tonight in the eyes of God. Because even in the midst of doubt, Somebody still had enough faith for some sick folk to get healed. All you got to do is have enough faith to ask. See, if you can believe, you'll receive. Hebrews 11 and 1 said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. (laughs) See, God's looking for somebody who's got some even now faith. Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. Only spake these things unto them. Behold, there came a certain ruler, worshipped him, saying, My daughter, notice this. This is the only gospel that words it like this. My daughter is even now dead. Every other gospel, Jairus says she's sick and about to die. But Matthew must have picked up on something. Jerry said they're even now dead. But come, lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. Verse 23, and when Jesus came into the ruler's house, he saw the minstrels and people making a noise. He said to them, give place, for the maid is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. And when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand and the maid arose and the fame thereof went abroad into all that land. Jairus came to Jesus. Now we know between the verses we read, there's another story inserted of a woman with an issue of blood that touched him. But Jairus comes to Jesus in the book of Matthew and he said, my daughter is even now dead. And Jairus, why aren't you making funeral arrangements? If she's dead, 
why aren't you, why aren't you preparing to lay her to rest? Because I just believe there's something about Jesus. That even if she's dead, if he'll just lay his hand on her. See, there wasn't any hope to be seen, but he had enough faith to say, if you'll just come lay your hand on her, she'll live. It looked like it was over, but he said, if you'll lay your hand on her, she'll be all right. It looked like he ought to be calling 911, but he said, if you'll come lay your hand on her, I believe everything's going to be all right. Hey, my friend, what faith, what faith, what faith there was to declare, no matter how bad it seemed, his even now faith pushed him to go to Jesus uh, and pushed him to believe uh, and pushed him to declare uh, I believe you're still able uh, I believe you still can uh, I believe you're still gonna do it uh, even now it doesn't matter how bad it is I still believe Uh. excuse me a couple years ago I went to African it's in two countries there preaching. We'd been in Kenya or in, in Kenya and we flew to Zambia on a Monday, landed and that afternoon we were going to be teaching in the daytime starting the next day, but every night we had church. So they divided us all up, three of us, took us to different churches. We never knew where we'd be preaching until Bishop Kapasa just said, you're going here, you're going here, you're going here. And so we land, and he picks us up at the airport and taking us to the hotel, and he's talking about where people are going that night. And He said, Brother Miller, I want you to preach for me tonight. I said, okay. So I go to his church, and I don't know what I preached that night. I preached them faith message, but I don't remember which one, which, what, what I preached. I remember when I got done, we had a prayer line. I didn't ask a whole lot of them what they needed because language barriers. We just prayed for a lot of people. On Thursday, we were leaving on Friday. On Thursday, he came to me. He said, Brother Miller, he said, my people want you to preach for me again tonight. I'd preach somewhere else on, on uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday night. And he said, but tonight's your last night in town. I want you to preach for me again. My people want to hear you again. So I preached for him again on that Thursday night. This lady come up to me after I got done preaching Thursday night. She said, Brother Miller, she said, I was here Monday night. I went it through the prayer line. She said, I had cataracts on my eyes and was scheduled to have surgery the next day. She said, but when I got to the doctor's office the next day, the doctor looked at me and said, I don't know why you're here. Because there are no cataracts on your eyes. <laughs> in that same country, in that same country, in, in the teaching sessions, we'd teach for a while and then somebody would preach in the afternoon before we all were dispersed for the night services. Somebody preached that afternoon. I don't remember who it was. They brought this. We had a prayer line that day, and they brought this kid up, probably about 10 years old, I think. Maybe, or I don't even know if the kid was that old. 
The kid had never walked. Brought the mom, brought it up. We began to pray. As we prayed, me and Brother Nooner from Arkansas were standing, we're praying together. He grabbed the leg and began to pull on it. And he said, I think I feel some resistance the more I move that leg. We kept praying. I eventually grabbed the child, held the child. The child kind of got passed around to two or three of us as we prayed for a while. Finally, the mom came back and got the child, and she went and sat down. And I wanted to stop her and say, hang on just a minute. Let's see what God done. We dismiss. Everybody goes out for dinner. and Outside, everybody's sitting on the ground. And Brother Nooner and I walk out, and there's that child. And we go over there, and we begin to talk. Grab my phone or, or my iPad, rather begin to video as he began to talk, set the child on its knee. The child had never walked. When we walked out, the child had always laid flat. But when we walked out, the child was actually sitting up. So Nooner gets down on one knee, sets the child on his knee, begins to talk. And, and I'm standing there videoing because I knew God's about to do a miracle. We're just talking to those that are around. And the child stood for the first time under its own power on its feet. Now the kid didn't know how to walk because the kid had never been taught how to walk. So we picked up one leg and moved it. And we picked up another leg and moved it. And we picked up a leg and moved it. Began to show all of a sudden without anybody touching a leg, the child picked up its own leg and began to walk. And I'm telling you, God can do it for you. It doesn't matter what you need. A kid that had never walked, a kid the doctor said would never walk, a kid that couldn't sit up on its own, when God got involved, when God got involved in that situation, things turned around, miracles began to happen. I want you to know that even now, it doesn't matter how bad, it doesn't matter how dark, it doesn't matter what's going on in your world, even now, God is able to heal and deliver. I wasn't going to tell this story. I got story after story after story of miracles I could tell, though. But nineteen seventy-six, two people in South Mississippi that were heathens. One of them may be watching tonight. I don't know. <clears throat> both of them need to, but uh, they both heathens. They had the child born. Everything appeared normal and fine. But a month and two days later, in the middle of a denominal church service, they were actually standing for the preacher, if I understand that part of the story right, they were standing for the preacher to read his text. Something said to that mother, turn around and look at your baby. When she did, the baby was black and blue and not breathing. She immediately grabbed the child, only a month and two days old, held the child up. As you can imagine, church is over. 
They begin to pray, begin to do CPR, no response. They call for an ambulance to come from about 15 to 20 miles away out to the country church out in the woods. The ambulance gets there and the child has not breathed. They put the child on the ambulance, they get about a mile and a half, two miles from the hospital and finally the child takes a breath for the first time and I don't know how long. Little hospital there in that town can't do much for anybody then or now. So they said, take this child 30 miles away to the big hospital where the child was born. Let the pediatricians there do whatever they can do. For about two weeks, this child lived on a respirator, breathing only by machines. Mom, dad gets word from the doctor, you need to go home tonight, call the funeral home. Go ahead and make some funeral arrangements because tomorrow we're going to unplug the respirator. The child's probably not going to live. But if there's a change and the child lives tonight and we, we see a reason tomorrow to leave the child plugged into the respirator and not give up yet, understand because of the length of time of not breathing, the lack of oxygen to the brain, this child is going to be mentally retarded. This child is going to be a vegetable. You're going to have to care for this child as if it's an infant its entire life. The grandmother who had received the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name just a few months prior went to her pastor and said, Preacher, we can't make this decision. If something changes, if they see something change and we make the decision to wait and the child lives, but what the doctor said happens, will happen, happens. My daughter can't, my, my daughter can't handle that. But if we unplug the child and the child dies, my daughter can't handle that either because she'll live the rest of her life saying, what if I'd have waited one more day? What would have happened? What would we want God to make this decision for us tonight, either way. Either way, let God take the child tonight or let God heal the child. That old man of God made his way down to that hospital in Gulfport, walked into that ICU room. They wouldn't even let him in the room. They stopped him at the door. He could just see the bed across the room. That man of God stood there and prayed, turned around and went home. The next morning, mom and dad came to the hospital. They were ready to unplug a respirator, prepared to go visit the funeral home, make arrangements to bury their baby. But when mom and dad walked into that, walked into that ICU room that next morning, they found a doctor who was so short he had to stand on a stool to see over in the bed. They found him standing on a stool looking over in the bed, tears running down his face. And they get to the side of the bed and they look down. I'm laying in that bed, breathing on my own, holding on to the finger of a doctor who the day before said, give up and go home. You come too late to tell me you got a problem God can't take care of. You come too late to tell me God's not a healer. You come too late to tell me God's not a deliverer. You come too late to tell me your problem is so bad that God's not able. I stand here tonight to tell you I should have been in a grave. I should have never been known. But God walked in. 
Not for an apostolic family. Not for a God-fearing family. But for a mom and dad that didn't even know him. Now that's what got mom's attention. And she raised me in truth after that. But this was before she came to God. And God, what would God do for an apostolic? What would God do for a God-fearing child of God? In this house tonight, I ask you, do you have faith that he can even now? Preacher, you don't know how bad it is. You're not in the graveyard yet. Preacher, you don't know how desperate it is. It ain't the end yet. God is still able even now. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Uh, there's faith in this house there's faith in this place right now I don't know what you need but I'm telling you if you'd respond in faith I'm telling you if you'd just stand to your feet lift your hands in faith I'm telling you there's healing in this place right now there's deliverance in this place Uh, there's physical healing there's emotional healing there's spiritual healing come on that's it It may look bad, but God's able even now. Lazarus may be in the grave, but God's able even now. Doctors may have given up, but God's able even now.